friends, and welcome to Grieving a Child podcast. I'm with Amanda, and Amanda, I would like to hear your story. Hi, Maze. It's nice to be, speak with you tonight. I, you know, this is a very hard topic, very difficult topic to talk about. Uh, about three years ago, we lost our son, Joseph. He was at the age of 12 and he was succumbed to suicide it's an illness it is a stigma it is a very hard thing to talk about and it's very socially unacceptable at some point but we did lose him to suicide my biggest trauma is is that I, as a mother, did not see the signs of this. As far as knowing that my son was in pain, I, I was aware. I was aware that there was pain, but I didn't know that the pain was as deep as it was in to create a situation for the need of suicide. He is uh, one of six brothers. So, and oddly enough, he falls right in the middle. He is the middle child and he is and forever will be the middle child. <laughs> And he's just such a bright-eyed, beautiful human. And, you know, we look at it as a mother and we get so mixed up in all of these things that, you know, I'm trying to watch out for, you know, 24-year-old and I'm trying to get all the way down to a 10-year-old. And, you know, there's outcries that, you know, this guy is like, mom, you don't pay enough attention to me. It's like, well, I need a pack of gum from the store. And it's like, why do you need a pack of gum from the store? And, and he's, well, I just wanted it. Oh, and sometimes you miss those things as a parent. But as a parent, you also miss the big things too, where when you look at this guy and it's like, how could anything in your life be that bad? You know, like how could it? How could it be that bad? You know, it's not really something that you ever think of in your in your mind <clears throat> that could be going on in this circumstance. And it's okay. It's okay to be that hurt. It's okay to feel that pain. And I've always tried to embrace that with my kids. If you're feeling pain, please come and talk to me. Please come and bring it to me. What can I do to help you? And I, I don't feel like he got enough attention. Uh, honestly, as a parent, I, I love him and I, I do love him and I will forever love him. But you know, he just was the quiet one. He was the loud one. He was the quiet one. He was the middle child. And unfortunately, 
there was a lot of circumstances that we didn't catch as parents. And I, I think that ultimately that he, I'm not saying that he was responsible for this, but he also did not, he didn't communicate this. Mm-hmm. He was not open. He was not honest about I, I shouldn't say honest because honest is a bad word or a bad terminology to use towards this situation because honesty is not honesty when it comes to feelings because honesty changes. Honesty evolves when you're talking about emotions. And I feel like he didn't understand where he was. He didn't understand where he was evolving from and evolving to. He didn't know how to get from point A to point B. And he didn't know what tools he needed in order to feel better, in order to feel okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I find that boys definitely have more difficulty with expressing their feelings. And as a mom of six boys, uh, they're all very different. So I've encountered so many different nuances with each one of my children that he's very... He's very specific. He was very he was very unique when it came to how he dealt with his emotions because he was very involved with being a caretaker. He was very involved with being the mother's person. He always wanted to make sure that I was okay that his brothers were okay. He was very selfless. Which, you know, initially never triggered me to be concerned about who he was or how he was. Because I felt like as a mother, this is what you would ask for a child. You know, mm-hmm. this is what you look for as a good trait. But at the same time, I didn't see the residual signs of saying he's not caring about himself. He's not looking out for himself. He's so worried about everybody else and everything else that he's not focused on him. And, you know, as my as my mother instincts kick in now after the fact I look at it and say, did I not spend enough time with him? Did I not pay attention to the signs? Did I not go through the the walks with him? Did I not communicate correctly with him? How do you deal with the guilt from that? Because I have my son died by suicide, also Keon. And you don't. I, I had no clue. I had, thought I had a, a very strong child. And as a mother, your your whole entire existence is protecting them. 
did you find yourself, I would call it, I'd get on the merry-go-round of, of guilt? Did I teach him to be too strong? Did I teach him to be too strong-willed? Did I teach him to be too independent? Did I not do enough? What did I miss on a day-to-day basis? I, mm-hmm. I, I can't get over the guilt. Mm-hmm. I, there is not a day that goes by that I don't think, what did I miss? What sign did I miss? Because when I look at pictures today, and I look at the pictures that, you know, even the selfies, right? As mm-hmm. much as he hated taking selfies, I took one the day before he passed. I look back on it now and I can just see in his eyes how tired he was. And it's like, how did I miss this? Mm -hmm. What did I miss? What did I, what did I not do right as a mother? Yeah. What did, did I not love him enough? Did I not cuddle him enough? Did I not support him enough in his endeavors what did what did I do yeah do you find yourself asking you know questions ever you know like why did this happen to me Um, things like that well the questions about why this is not so specific. I think the questions of why did this happen goes to, it goes back to the circumstance of what did I miss? Mm -hmm. What was he encountering that he wasn't able to communicate to us? Because the symptoms were... you know and looking back on it now the symptoms were there but they weren't as dramatic as I as you would think they would be right because you know you think about when people want to commit suicide they're all vibracious about it and they say I'm going to kill myself and I'm going to do all of this well he didn't do that he he just didn't do that. He was such a quiet boy. He was very kept, he was very, he kept to himself very much so. Uh, it was, it was such a quiet situation and nobody knew that he was going through anything until he went through something. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's the hardest part is that how did I not see the symptoms? How did I not see what he was going through? Did I not ask the right questions? Did I not, you know, poke and prod enough as a mom? Did I, you know, what did I do wrong? And it's not even that. And, you know, as time goes by, what I've learned is just that he's a very independent person he was a very strong-willed independent person and no matter what I could have said or what I could have done 
this was his choice. And I I don't hold it against him. I I don't. I can identify. I don't hold it against him. Because it takes a excuse my candidness, but it takes a bigger set of balls to do what he did than to go on living every day. I say the same thing. How brave my son was to jump off. uh, It's called Forest Hill Bridge in California. And I looked down. How brave you were. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. They didn't do it to us. And I praise him. I praise him because you ended it. My son and I, my, my oldest son and I were having a conversation earlier tonight. He's, uh, he's graduating high school this year and it's, uh, it's been a very hard road for him because this, his brother and he were very, very close and And it was one of those like, hey man, it's okay, you know, mm-hmm. because you know if it weren't for this circumstance, like he would have found one way or the other to to do this. He would have figured it out because this is what his heart was set on. And this is what path he was on. Whether it have been, you know, a knife or a razor blade or a gun or any other circumstance, there was nothing that you personally could have done to have changed the situation that he was in. Mm -hmm. There was nothing dramatic enough to be able to step in and say boom mm-hmm. this is it yeah the guilt with all and the I also, yeah and I also asked him said, so you know if your brother you know wouldn't have been successful in committing suicide what kind of life do you think that he would have lived He says, Mom, it would have been a horrible life for him. He said it would have been a very difficult life for him. I said, I agree. I said, because he would have had struggles no matter what. Whether it have been, you know, mental issues or in and out of hospitals or, you know, drug addictions or... You know, there would have been something that would have created some level of trauma for him. Mm-hmm. And he acknowledged and he reiterated on the fact that he's in a better place. And uh, he even said, unfortunately, Together, we are not in a better place. It's really powerful what you just said. Right? But we are going to be okay. Yeah. You get to that point where how do you want to live, you know? 
do you want to live in in turmoil do you want to live in a, a situation that is unhealthy do you want to be a part of the stigma that society brings to us with the the mental health issues that we continue to not acknowledge mm-hmm. the hard portion of yeah the hard portion of mental health that we can't it, it, we can't administer any kind of you know solution to we can't we can't give a solution to you know it takes us you know 6 to 8 weeks to just get into see a a psychiatrist mm-hmm. to administer some kind of antidepressants whereas you know we go see a general practitioner and they can give you an antibiotic over the counter yeah with with no regard great point you Amanda. know but we go through this situation where it's my son needs an you know an antidepressant and well you have to go and see 14 different people in order to get this solution and one of the situations where if i could have just went into my gp and talked to him and and, and been able to it you know explain the situation and I'd get a Zoloft, you know, like a one milli- milligram Zoloft. God knows what, you know, what kind of solution that could have brought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the what ifs really get to you. The what if this and what if that. I find those to be very difficult, you know. There's always going to be what ifs. Mm-hmm. There's, a, you know, it just depends on which day it is. Yeah, well, if you heard my podcast, I I watched the movie Groundhog's Day, right? And depending which day it is, you wake up every day, you hit that alarm, you know, my son is dead, right? And what do you do with that day? And it depends on the day, you know, some days you just want to scroll into bed. I just don't get up. Yeah. Some days I just don't get up. Yeah. You know, and as a survivor of this, right, you know, I... um, to be honest with you, I have my own mental health issues, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a very genetic thing, and I've explained this to my children. I said, be very cautious about what you do moving forward. I'm not saying don't have kids, but just be understood that there is a predisposed situation that there are mental health issues in our family. Mm-hmm. So whether it be you know, I love it, but I'm not a very religious person myself, but going back to it is is that the sins of the father, it's, it trickles down the, the mental health issues trickle down the, the line. And I have my own issues and I've been very open and very honest about them with my children and I can honestly say that, you know, there's some days where 
I don't get out of bed. I just can't. Mm-hmm. I I miss my son. Yeah. I miss my son. I miss my son. Yeah. You know, you go to a point where you talk about um, identifying things, right? You know, you identify ADD and dyslexia and things like that, right? So in the school systems, if we can identify it with it and what tools can we use and getting that into our school systems at a very young age and having support and having tools to help us and to train all of us, whether we're adults or young children, you know? It has to be there because, you know, we got very fortunate with, uh, with our pre-K teacher. So we were very lucky to have the same pre-K teacher for my oldest and for my middle son, Joseph, who passed away. And she did acknowledge that there was some ADD, some dyslexia that was going on there. And, you know, I attribute that to the lack of persistence on school's part. You know, not that I'm not doing my part as a parent, but we send our children off to a school for eight hours a day. We give them our children every day because we're required to by law. Mm-hmm. And we entrust them that they are going to do the best by our children every day. And they're supposed to see things that we are we're not privy to. Mm-hmm. And if they miss things, got it. We all miss things. Mm-hmm. But when you see something like this, that a child is struggling at this level, uh, not saying that Joseph ever struggled, you know, academically, but there are things that children struggle with. And teachers are supposed to be their advocates. They're supposed to be there to be the voice. Yeah. And if they're not doing that, and here's the other thing. So we have such a strain on the teachers and we have such a strain on the academic leadership. So there, it's, it's a twofold situation that, okay, we have kids that need dramatic amount of help, but we also have teachers that, that can't get to everybody. So what do we do? Mm-hmm. So they're, they're lost in the mix. So we just shuffle them off to the next grade and hope, hope that we're going to catch them hopefully that we're going to see it and I feel like Joseph was a part of that situation where his dyslexia and attention deficit situation kind of attributed to this right because he couldn't sit still you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) We used to call him No Joe because he wouldn't stop running. No Joe, no Joe, don't stop. Be like, stop it, Joe. Yeah. No Joe. And plus, but he was a it, middle child, you know, in that they're always trying to please as a middle child, right? And they're so much more sensitive 
and the other children is what I find middle child syndrome is you know with having other children um, and grieving how did you balance that I guess is the best way to explain it how did you balance grieving and caring for your children at the same time they were the only thing that kept me going because to be honest with you I um, if it hadn't have been for them I would have been laying right next to him mm-hmm. and I uh, I attribute a lot of that to my to my husband I have to say because he really um, put the mirror up in front of me and said look you are a mom he says you're not just a mom to him but you're a mom to all of these children and you cannot give up Mm. and it was one of the hardest decisions that I've ever had to make because knowing that that my baby is my baby is gone Mm. difficult don't ever apologize every grieving mother here our broken heart you know is with your broken heart and we all definitely cry you know and that's what I want these interviews to be about is to be real because only a grieving mother can understand this and feel this together we support each other but I couldn't turn my cheek to my other children they had to have their mom and they were willing to accept me broken and shattered and beaten and broken and they loved me no matter what but they knew that they loved their mom and they needed their mom and they were okay to accept me as I was and that's the beautiful part about our family it it was just so amazing that these guys were just my champions like mom get up please just get up today very powerful And I remember my youngest son just saying, Mommy, are you going to get up today? (laughs) I was like, yeah, buddy. I'll get up. I'm getting up today. And the biggest part, one of the biggest things that I remember having to do was just walk him to school and getting out of bed. And it was so hard, but I was so proud of myself. And I was, he was so proud of me. And everyone was so proud of me to just get up and walk him to school because I actually got out of bed. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, what do you accomplish today? I got up, you know. I showered. Right. (laughs) Uh, Showering is so difficult. What is it about showering, you know? It's a difficult one. It hurts sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it feels so good, but it hurts all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, just, you know, doing your hair and 
putting on your makeup it, it just didn't feel right it was it was like a mask it doesn't you know yeah and it, it doesn't feel right yeah stinky and not doing your hair I must have had my hair up in a bun for a year you know <laughs> I don't think it ever came down you know, I actually chopped all of my hair off because I I just couldn't take it anymore yeah I had the clippers to my head three times and I don't know why I didn't end up shaving my head ball, but I, I had him there. I think I, I took out the widow's peak a few times. <laughs> <laughs> I just... can totally relate to that. It's All like, right. Mom, why, why are you cutting your hair like that? And it's like, because I don't want to have to deal with it anymore. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to. You know, my hair is very curly and, you know, the kids... <laughs> Why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. it's like, because it's easier if I just cut it short, then yeah. I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. So kind of recapping for you, a lot of tools that you would use as, as family and, and mm -hmm. your boys, you know, and your husband were the biggest support. Is there anything else that you felt supported you through all this? I don't want to disregard my kids school so there after my son had committed suicide uh, there was a huge community outreach of just people pouring in wanting to help wanting to offer support and it was a group of people that I had never met I never knew. I never thought I would ever know. But these people wanted to wanted to be there. My words of advice in regards to that situation is that let them let them be there. As much of a closed off person as you want to be after certain circumstances like this let people in because you'll never never know when when you do need them because you don't know you're so closed off and you're so hurting and everything is so fresh but when it comes down to it this one teacher or this one person could be your savior it could be Absolutely. Amanda, thank you for sharing and trusting and sharing this story. I believe um, as grieving mothers, we need to speak and we need to tell our story in order to be there as a community for each other. So that's what had me start doing this. It was just, I had to, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. I am. Um, I'm with you on this one. So I've. Uh, I'm a mil I'm a military girl. You know, my my family is very much military minded. Uh, my dad fought in Vietnam, and my grandfather in Korea. My my kid's father um, was at Afghanistan and Iraq. So my, my big thing is, is trying to push the understanding of mental health uh, and how important it is to understand mental health and what it means on a day-to-day -day basis. That 
guys, you don't know what one person is going through. But you know what? If you just smile and say, have a good day, you could make that person's world change. Because all they're looking for is just a smile sometimes. And it hurts so much to know that people are hurting and you don't know. And you don't pause in that. So I'm going to do this too. We have a saying in our family. Pause for a second. Pause for a second. Just pause breathe right and it has become such a important thing that we all just raise our hand and say and everybody knows that pause for a second but if you just pause for one second that second means the difference between a life and and not Absolutely. You even saying that right now and taking that moment to pause and all the listeners that will listen to this, that moment of you just saying pause and breathe, you know, very powerful. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and I, after my son passed away, I, I got this amazing tattoo, right? Because it's a semicolon, like just, just pause. My story's not over. And I wear these t-shirts that say continue and, you know, I'm such a huge advocate for the NSF or the National Foundation for Suicide Prevention, you know, so I'm on the the boards uh, for here in Austin and I try to support as much as I possibly can, but just pause, just Mm. slow down, just slow down. It's not that bad. I mean, it is that bad. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. It is that bad. Right? It really is yeah. that bad. <laughs> it is. It is sometimes. that bad. <laughs> Everybody always asks, how do you survive this? And for me, I always said, uh, I don't, it's not, I don't have a choice. Me personally, I don't have a choice. I don't you have know? a choice um, anymore. Yeah. I used to hate when people say, you're so strong. And I'm like, you have no idea. You have a choice. <laughs> Yeah. I wasn't given a choice to do this. This is not yeah. in this was not in the deck of cards that I anticipated to be dealt, you know. No. Yeah, a lot of people I find they ask me, you know, oh, how did your son die? And it took me a long time. It's been six years for me, and I finally have learned to say, I can tell you how he lived, you know, because how old I was your son? It. Uh, Keon was 19 and I had 19 incredible years with him but I find myself when people ask me um, how do, they always ask the first thing I ask how did they die and uh, now my response is I'll tell you how they lived yes. if you really care let me tell you how they lived yeah you know that's more important yeah because I get the the morbid ask of well, what happened like how did he mm. pass away and it's like I could tell you all day long but you know I relive that story every night when I go to sleep that is the story that I see in my brain every night 
waking up and there is my son. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, want could... to remember him as he lived, not mm-hmm. that night when I had to come home like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could do an episode, another episode, Amanda, <laughs> on PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could. Definitely. <laughs> With your background in military, also plus the death of your child. Oh, you want to talk about to do sirens? Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I hear sirens right. and I start shuddering. As it, it, it's um, it's definitely uh, not a good situation for sure. Mm-mm. We might do that, Amanda. Thank you so much for um, doing this podcast and sharing your story. And I think you're going to have to come back. I think we should do a podcast on PTSD and talking about that. I think that's another subject that needs to be shared. I I really feel like that is something that parents don't get enough credit for is the PTSD after their children have passed away because there's so much trauma that is encountered after after that moment right yeah yeah and you you as a mom you definitely know it's you never live that down it's never it never goes away absolutely so if you like this interview with amanda and you would like to hear about her other interview we will set one up soon and do one on ptsd Men, is there anything else you'd like to share before we end our podcast? Just hug your babies. Hug them. Just pause for a second and hug your babies. That's all I can say. Hug them and make them known. Know that they live and honor them, right? Absolutely. Make them known. Thank you. I was overwhelmed by how many people actually wanted to share their story. I knew that I wanted to do a podcast and I thought, let's interview other mothers, other grieving mothers. And uh, there was just a huge, huge outpour of how many people wanted to share their story. So thank you very much. And Amanda, I hope we can keep in touch. I'm going to share this podcast with you through Facebook and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you so Thank much. You. Have Thank a good you for evening. Your vulnerability. <laughs> Absolutely. And one more thing we are actually doing um, because a lot of places are closed down. We're doing, uh, I've created a new uh, support group, but it's more online and it's audio like this is uh, through a place called clubhouse that we actually do weekly supports every Monday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So hopefully you can join that sometime. Definitely. I will keep an eye out for it. All right. Have a good night. Thanks. You You as well. Bye-bye.